so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to the Digital Public Square, a podcast from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission about ethics, theology, and philosophy in today's society. I'm your host, Jason Thacker, and I serve as Chair of Research and Technology Ethics and also help lead the ERLC Research Institute. Each week, I'm joined by some of society's most influential thinkers, writers, and leaders to talk about the important ideas shaping our society today, as well as some of the top issues of life in the digital public square. Our goal with this podcast is to equip you to navigate these issues with biblical wisdom and insight. As always, alongside this podcast, we also have the Weekly Tech newsletter that you can sign up to receive each Monday morning. This resource is designed to prepare you to think deeply about the pressing ethical issues of technology, as well as life in the digital public square. You can subscribe now at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. Well, today is a very special episode of the podcast as we kick off a brand new mini-series themed after a new volume that I had a privilege of editing entitled The Digital Public Square, Christian Ethics in a Technological Society. This new book is published by B&H Academic and is available now wherever books are sold. This volume, along with my other recently released books, including Following Jesus in a Digital Age, the companion Bible study under the same title, as well as A Student's Guide to Social Media, are part of a larger research project that I've been leading here at the ERLC for the past couple of years. The Digital Public Square Research Project is designed to help Christians think deeply about the pressing questions of faith in the public square as well as to take part in the larger conversation about these pressing challenges of technology and social media, whether it's in the halls of Congress, your state capitals, on campuses of the largest and most influential technology companies and academic gatherings, and most importantly, in your own life and home. In this volume, I'm joined by 11 other contributors who address issues such as political philosophy, technology policy, free speech, content moderation, religious freedom, hate speech, hate crimes, gender and sexuality, pornography, conspiracy theories, and misinformation, as well as pressing issues of digital authoritarianism around the world. We conclude the volume talking about the nature of Christian discipleship as well as mission in the 21st century. Over the next couple months, I'm going to be joined by each contributor to talk about their interest in these areas, their background, their chapters themselves, and what, if anything, has changed since they wrote these chapters, given how quickly the field of technology changes. So today on the podcast, I want to share a little bit of the background of this volume, as well as the need for Christians to start these conversations with a solid understanding of the nature of technology, rather than just merely addressing the symptoms that have become so prevalent in the public square, as well as our personal lives today. In this volume, I contributed two chapters, including the opening chapter on this topic entitled Simply a Tool Toward a Christian Philosophy of Technology and a Vision for Navigating the Digital Public Square, as well as a second chapter entitled Dangers in the Digital Public Square, Navigating Conspiracy Theories and Misinformation in a Post-Truth Age. This second chapter will address later this spring, as today we'll focus primarily on a Christian philosophy of technology and how we think about what technology really is. 
As a special gift for Digital Public Square podcast listeners, you can also download this first chapter for free by visiting the show notes for this episode. And while you're there, I'd really love it if you would leave a quick rating or review of the podcast as well. While it may seem inconsequential to leave a review like this, these reviews really help us to know how we're doing with the podcast, to know the topics, ideas, and guests that resonated with you, as well as to help spread the word about the podcast with others. You can leave one on most major podcast platforms and even share the link to this podcast with others. First, I want to start with a note of thanks as we begin this mini-series and this project. There are countless people who made this project possible. And first, I just want to acknowledge the unending and undeserved support of my wife, who sacrificed so much that I could pursue a project like this and many others over the years. Her love and encouragement has been a real key to this project so far and its continued success. I also want to thank each of the contributors for being part of a volume like this and bringing their expertise to bear on these pressing ethical challenges. I also want to thank my entire team at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, including our past president, Dr. Russell Moore, who took a flyer on a young guy a few years ago, as well as our current leadership team led by our president, Brent Leatherwood. This book would not have been possible without their support and that of Southern Baptist. Also, I'd be remiss to not mention a couple folks who have had a big hand in this volume, particularly Seth Woodley, Alex Ward, my former assistant, Cameron Hayner, as well as my current assistant, Caden Christian, all who have played crucial roles in helping to organize, edit, and promote this volume, as well as this miniseries. I'm grateful for each of them, especially Seth, who spent long hours alongside of me as we finalized this volume. And lastly, I want to thank the team at BH Academic. They have been a real joy to work with, and I encourage you to check out their resources. They're producing some of the top resources in ethics and philosophy and theology today, especially my editors, Dennis Greeson, his wife, Audrey Greeson, Michael McEwen, Renee Chavez, as well as the leadership of Madison Trammell as publisher. I'm also grateful for my agent, Eric Wogelmuth, and his team at Wogelmuth and Associates for helping to organize this project. If you've been around the podcast for a while, you know that I'm particularly fond of Carl F.H. Henry, and he's had such a massive influence on my life, especially in terms of theology and ethics and their relationship. Years ago, I was struck by a citation in the late Henry's Christian personal ethics about the centrality of love in the Christian ethic. This esteemed leader quoted the German theologian Christoph Ernst Luthart by saying, God first loved us is the summary of Christian doctrine, and we love him is the summary of Christian morality. So often today in the contemporary church, and something we've talked a lot about here on the podcast, that there's a wedge driven between the study of theology and ethics that I think hampers the church from engaging some of the most pressing issues of our day as our theology has become untethered from our ethics and our practice or our ethic has been uprooted from its foundation. Dr. Henry would later summarize Luther by saying, love for another is the whole sum of the Christian ethic. I think this is a really apt way to begin a mini-series as well as a volume on Christian ethics today, as so many of the issues we deal with are not really about bits and bytes, but about flesh and blood image bearers living in a technological society. This book is a product of that vision, working toward a Christian ethic for a digital age, one that is rooted in truth as well as love of neighbor. The title of this podcast, as well as the research project and even this volume itself, has been undoubtedly influenced by the late public theologian Richard John Newhouse and his influential work, The Naked Public Square, as well as the late Protestant sociologist and theologian Jacques Ellul, who we've talked a lot about here on the podcast, who wrote a prescient volume called The Technological Society in the mid-1950s. Both of these figures you're probably familiar with if you've been following along the podcast for very long. It's been said that you're a product of those who have gone before you, and that'll be apparent throughout this series as well as this book. 
Most of you know that my family lives just outside of a small town in Tennessee with a historic downtown district. Like many of you in the small towns throughout our nation, we have a downtown square that kind of serves as a hub for our community. In prior generations, these public squares buzzed with energy and served as gathering places for our community. People regularly traveled in from the outskirts of town to shop, eat, bank, gather with their church, and even to do business. They would all come together for community events and freely engage one another. While many downtown historic districts have been abandoned or even fallen into disrepute in light of the rapid growth of suburbs in the last 50 to 75 years, there's also been a renewed interest in revitalizing these historic neighborhoods in many places to provide a place for our communities to gather together once again, especially in a digital age that's led to increasing isolation and disconnectedness among our communities. These downtown public gathering spaces, I think, serve as an apt kind of mental image for the period which much of our daily communication, our commerce, and our community is facilitated or mediated through this digital public square of social media and online connectivity. With the rise of the internet and various social media platforms, whether it's Meta's Facebook or Twitter, or even the kind of embroiled TikTok of our day, as well as the massive online retailers and internet companies like Amazon, Alibaba, and Alphabet's Google, these new digital public squares had promised to bring about a vibrant era of connectivity and togetherness across distances to have more diverse communities as well as more access to information. Many of these initial promises of bringing the world together and giving access to more information were made in light of violent regimes and oppressive regimes throughout our world that were stifling free speech, suppressing human rights, violating religious freedom, and even limiting access to information in order to maintain a control over other human beings that are made in the very image of God, which illustrates the unique value and dignity of every human person. While technology has indeed brought about incredible benefits and conveniences into our life, it's also led to countless unintended consequences and deep ethical challenges that push us to consider how do we live out our faith authentically in a technological society. It feels like each day we're bombarded with fake news and misinformation, conspiracy theories, ever-growing polarization, and more information than we could ever hope to process. And we regularly face these challenges where wisdom and truth are needed, yet our faith is not always welcomed into the public square as we see in countless examples throughout this volume and this project with the digital issues that we face today. In truth, technology has always been used and abused by those who seek to hold on to power and to wield it to suppress free expression all around the world. But today, these threats seem even more visceral and dangerous, given the way that our lives are so connected together like never before. One of the most challenging ethical issues of our day is centered around the proper role of digital governance and the ethical boundaries of free speech in a digital public square. Many have recently begun to question the role and the influence of the technology industry over our public discourse, as well as the responsibilities of individuals, third-party companies, and even the role of government in digital governance. While much of the dangerous, illegal, and illicit content is rightly moderated, questions remain about what kinds of ideas or speech are to be welcomed into the digital public square, as well as how we're to maintain a moral order in an increasingly secular age as we seek to uphold free expression as well as religious freedom for all. As we begin this journey throughout this mini-series, as well as this book that I hope you grab a copy of to dive in with us, as we seek to navigate the new digital public square with truth and grace, Christians must not only seek to understand the issues at stake, but also what is driving them. And to do this, I think we must first slow down enough to ask some of the fundamental questions about technology, such as what it is and what it's actually doing to us. Is our faith merely a tool or is it something that's shaping us in unique ways 
and even contrary to our faith. One of the verses that throughout this project and you've heard throughout this podcast so far that always comes back to my mind is Romans 12, 1 and 2. There Paul tells us, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. One of the things that's always struck me about that passage is that Paul is not saying, if you're conformed to this world. He said, when you're conformed or are, as you're being conformed to this world, we are to be transformed. He's assuming you're being conformed to the world around you. And what our calling in as Christians is to step into these questions and what is shaping us and how is it forming us and to what end. And so I think that's one of the ways that when we talk about the nature of technology, many of us kind of silo into one of two camps. Many, especially within the Christian church throughout our history, have fallen into what we call an instrumentalist view. Simply put, that means that technology is just simply a tool. It's a tool that we use. One of the great parts of this view is that we maintain moral agency and accountability for the ways we use these tools. We don't blame the tools, but we actually look to say, how are we using them in God-glorifying ways or in dishonoring and vice-filled and sinful ways? This kind of instrumentalist view has been really popular throughout really the history of the church and even human civilization as we see technology as just merely a tool. But one of the dangers with an instrumentalist view or a tool-based view is that we see technology as just kind of a amoral or neutral tool that really isn't shaping and forming us in many ways. On the other side of that, we also have a view called technological determinism. Now, throughout the book, you're going to reference and you'll see, especially in my chapters, the presence of a gentleman named Jacques Ellul. He was a big proponent of technological determinism because he saw technology as not just merely a tool, but something that exists in a broader culture and something that is deeply shaping and forming us as we use it. I think there's a lot of merit to certain aspects of this position. And that's one of the things I try to do in this first chapter is talk about these instrumentalist views as well as this deterministic view to say, how do Christians approach technology? Is it one of these or is it a merger of, or do we kind of discard the bad from each and take the good? A determinist view sees technology as almost autonomous, where it kind of takes on a life of its own. It's basically you program it, it starts up and you can't stop it. It is going to move forward. It's going to shape us and form us in ways that we can't even imagine. And that in many ways, we kind of lose our agency and responsibility and control. Now, one of the things I do in this chapter is kind of talk about these two views and kind of dissect them a little bit, especially as I kind of critique Elul a little bit. But I do think he's very helpful and instructive for Christians who take a primarily kind of tool-based approach to technology. Now, you might be wondering, what in the world does this have to do with the digital public square as well as social media and internet culture today? My argument is that technology, if we only merely address the symptoms of technology, we're actually missing some of the bigger questions, the bigger ways that technology is forming and shaping us. So one of the things I do in this first chapter is to kind of reject a simply tool-based approach while taking the good of saying that we're moral agents and we're morally responsible and accountable but then also looking at the deterministic view and saying, look, technology is much bigger than just the tools themselves. They operate in a larger culture that these tools have an inherent design and they have values embedded in them from their creators, their companies, and even the culture around us. But at the same time, we can reject a purely deterministic view in the sense because we are moral agents. It's not predetermined. We do have a choice in the matter. We also have responsibility and agency. So, one of the things that I do in this chapter is kind of chart out a Christian philosophy of technology that takes the best from both worlds and says that a Christian philosophy of technology understands that technology is not merely a tool, but it is a tool that's shaping and forming us in distinct ways as we utilize this. One of the examples that I use in that chapter 
is the idea. It's from a year, a few years ago with the documentary that many people are familiar with, uh, The Social Dilemma. One of the interviewees says, it's not a question of do you check Twitter in the morning? He says, it's a question of do you check Twitter before your feet hit the ground or while you're using the restroom? We have become so tied to our devices that this is the world in which we inhabit that likely as you're listening to this podcast, you have your phone probably in a foot or two of you at all times. So much so that today we even have wearable devices. We're constantly connected. We expect to see things. We expect to see notifications and miss things. We're, we're kind of inundated with information and overwhelmed so much so that it's changing and altering our behavior, not only in how we see God, how we see ourselves, and how we seek to form our identities and be part of certain tribes and to project ourselves in particular ways, but also the way we see our neighbor and the world around us. Technology is not just simply a tool, but it's actually something that's changing our perception of the world, going from something that has an inherent meaning and a core uh, kind of design to something that where we can take control, where we're the ones who can manipulate and control and craft our own identities. And we see this primarily throughout a lot of the philosophical literature of the last hundred years or two, where we start to see this move towards, I can create my own identities, my own truth, my own ideas, my own reality as opposed to seeing something that is discovered and outside of us. And I think one of the things that the Christian ethical tradition reminds us is that we're not our own. Now, this is something we've talked about with Alan Noble here on the podcast in the past and many other great thinkers that have talked about these ideas, is that we're not our own and we're not autonomous beings. God did create us. He created us with a in his very image with a particular design and purpose. And it's something that we are to look outside of ourselves for reality and truth rather than looking inward. This always reminds me of Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, where we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, as well as to love our neighbors ourselves. This is an outward action. It's at loving others, loving God and loving others as ourself. There's a default, and Jesus knew that we would instinctively love ourselves and our sin. We would care about ourselves. We would seek to take care of ourselves. But God is calling us outside of ourselves, not only to love God and love him, but also to define our reality and define our truth and define our ideas on something outside of us, an outside standard that God has implanted right into creation itself and into our design. This Christian philosophy of technology, I think, is something that's really important to address as we start to uncover a lot of Christian ethics in a technological society, addressing questions of hate speech and social media and digital authoritarianism and free speech, to recognize that technology is not some inert kind of neutral or amoral tool, but it's actually something that's deeply shaping and forming us and every time we use it. But one of the great difficulties and also kind of opportunities about writing a book like this on ethics and technology is that technology is always changing. It's one of the conversations I had really early on with the publisher is how do we address some of these big challenges without the book being outdated in a year or two? Because each day there are new technologies being developed, new ideas being put forth in the digital public square, as well as new ethical challenges arising that can overwhelm even the most seasoned among us. About a time that you finish a project like this, you get it into the hands of an editor, the pace of technological progress can make one feel that it will quickly be outdated even before the publication date. While there's obviously some truth to that assertion, since not every single example in this book or news story in this that's in this volume is going to be completely up to date when you read it, projects like this are not really designed or written to be relevant only in the immediacy of the latest controversy on Twitter, the tirade on Facebook, a viral video on TikTok or Instagram, 
or even that breaking news alert that you are getting right as you're listening to this podcast that declares how everything is going to change due to the immediacy of whatever happened just a few minutes ago. One of the ways that technology is shaping and forming us, it's conditioning us to believe that only the immediate truly matters and that the shelf life of information is only as long as it takes me to scroll to the next controversy, new story, or even opportunity for outrage. But the allure of immediacy isn't just limited to social media or contemporary digital technologies. Media theorist and cultural critic Neil Postman described this idea in his 1985 work, Amusing Ourselves to Death, as the now this culture where we're only at the time we're given about 45 seconds or so to dwell on an idea or an issue before immediately being interrupted by a newscaster, especially on local and cable news, that was diverting our attention to another story. He writes, the newscaster means that you have thought long enough about the previous matter and that you must not be morbidly preoccupied with it and that you must now give your attention to another fragment of news or a commercial. Postman was pretty prescient in his evaluation of how technology and information media conditions how we see the world and understand the gravity of how these things are shaping our perception. But given the rise of social media and other digital technologies, many of us long for a day when our attention spans were 45 seconds or more, given how quickly we can swipe up on our feed, spend less than a second or two thinking deeply about a given issue, especially as we form a public opinion about it and often share about that pretty immediately often without context or even deep information or experience in the issue that we're commenting on. While much of our society, including you and me both, are routinely given to seeing the world as bite-sized chunks of information and entertainment as we give into this sense of immediacy, reading a volume or working on a project like this causes us to slow down. It challenges us and presses us to consider these ethical issues of technology in a deeper way than we're accustomed to in the digital public square today. This type of debt naturally comes at a cost as not everything we read about is in response to what just came across your social media feed or the breaking news alert that you might have missed on your phone that's sitting right next to you as you listen to these words. That's the beauty, though, of reading. It pulls us outside of the age of immediacy and causes us to slow down, to think deeply, and to reflect on what truly matters. And the allure of the media is, I think, one of the most challenging aspects of digital culture and ones that Christians especially must counteract and reprogram ourselves or be reprogrammed even by the Holy Spirit of that renewal of our mind to navigate in light of the timeless truths, steadfast ethical principles that we find in the scripture. But the Christian ethic is not developed in response to immediate challenges, but is rather derived from how the eternal God who made the world, who made us in his very image, and how he has spoken to us about how we're to love him and love our neighbor as ourselves in light of what he has accomplished through Christ. In truth, by the time you listen to this podcast or even read this book, there very well may be a broken link or two, an update to a company's content moderation policies, or even a major new tech player in the scene. But none of these things alter the nature of the Christian ethic, even if the application of some of these principles might shift as technology evolves and opinions in the public square shift and change. As we begin working on a project like this, I knew that as an editor that a volume like this would be a challenge in many ways, given how complex the issues are before our society today and how quickly things seem to change. Whether it be the acquisition or the reform of a major social media platform, the rise of a new medium, maybe like the metaverse and some unique challenges for content moderation, or even the emergence of new data showing the effects of social media on our brains, Christians must be ready to engage the world as it is, not simply as we want it to be. 
The contributors in this volume and that we'll be talking about and interviewing over the next few months are not meant to be knee-jerk emotional reactions to meet the flavor of the moment, but rather thoughtful reflections about how Christians might navigate the challenges before us rooted and shaped in the richness and unique nature of the Christian ethic that is not time-bound or simply convenient for the moment. In an age of distraction and immediacy, can we take the time to slow down to ask the hard questions and reflect deeply about the, how the Christian ethic applies to all of life, including the digital public square today. If you want to learn more about this book or order a copy, you can visit jasonthacker.com books or pick up a copy at most major retailers, including your local bookstore, lifeway.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many more. I really look forward to this mini-series here on the podcast over the next few months, and I can't wait for you to grab a copy of the book for yourself. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to join me today here on the Digital Public Square. Well, from all of us here at the podcast, I want to say thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast and these mini series, would you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcasting app? These reviews really help us to know how we're doing and also to share a word about the podcast with others. As a reminder, you can check out this new volume, The Digital Public Square, Christian Ethics in a Technological Society, that's recently published by B&H Academic wherever books are sold, and make sure to grab that exclusive gift just for podcast listeners in the show notes. Also, make sure to sign up to receive the Weekly Tick email briefing that comes out each Monday morning. This resource is designed to prepare you to think deeply about the pressing challenges of technology in the public square today, as well as to stay up to date on the latest technology news. You can subscribe at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. The Digital Public Square is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. It's produced and hosted by Jason Thacker. Production assistance is provided by Caden Christian and technical production provided by Owens Productions. It's edited and mixed by Mark Owens. Thank you and I hope you have a great week.